Are your birds suffering the effects of summer temperatures? Do you know how to help them through this stressful time? Well, coming up, we're going to help you help your birds. This podcast episode features the audio portion from our last Poultry Key 360 video on heat stress and how to help your flock. So now here's myself, Jeff Maddox, and John Gunnerman talking about how heat stress can impact your flock and what the symptoms look like and how you can help your flock cope with high summer temperatures. We're going to be talking about heat stress tonight, and that's something a lot of us are dealing with. I, I know we have had some horrible temperatures down here in Florida already. We've had about three weeks where we had temperatures very frequently in the plus 100 degree range. Uh, last couple of days have been tolerable because we've had cloudy days, but before that, it, it, it's been rather miserable. Um, folks out in Texas and Oklahoma are really, really suffering, as are their birds. So let's get right to it. When we get hot weather, the birds are suffering. F feed intake drops, the egg production drops, the egg weight decreases. The shell quality decreases. Uh, the albumum height or the egg white height uh, decreases. They're drinking a lot of water, trying to stay hydrated, trying to keep cool. And all that water intake will affect the albumum height. Their growth rate slows. I know I've got some young reds now, and it's really, really bad on them. They just kind of sit around and mope, and they don't eat much, and they don't grow much. So maybe when cool weather comes, it'll it'll pick back up, and they'll they'll get with the program. We can see an increase in mortality, especially when we have really severe cases of heat stress. Cannibalism can increase. The suppression in the immunosystem goes up. And one thing a lot of folks don't realize is that it can also affect hatchability and fertility, especially in roosters. Uh, although I think most of us are probably done hatching by this point. I know we've still got some diehards who live further north and aren't quite as impacted with the heat that are not having those problems. Down below that, with production losses from heat stress, it's going to depend a lot on the maximum temperature to which our flock is exposed. Uh, I'm not going to get in. Jeff's going to, I know he's going to address what we do to overcome that, but, but the high temperatures, the duration of the high temperatures, the rate of temperature change, and the relative humidity. You know, we've here in Florida, we have a real problem with humidity. Yesterday, the humidity was actually higher than the temperature, and that's not all that uncommon. But, Jeff, what can we do to sort of help our birds get through this heat? As yeah, I, you know, uh, just looking at the top slide or the top, you know, stuff up there, look, that feed intake is going to go down. So, you know, we've talked about it in previous episodes where, birds eat for their calorie need every day. And so when it gets hot, they require less calories. That's why we had that heat feed, you know, that temperature chart that, you know, how much bird uh, needs to eat and what the protein should be. So people that are still actually trying to produce eggs for hatching or table eggs or whatever, you know, in Florida, all of my customers are on a 20% protein layer feed in the summer. And we pretty much start that by tax day, somewhere around April 15th, 1st of May. And we stay on that till 
mid-November. Yeah, so you're almost looking at tax day through Thanksgiving. Same thing in Texas, uh, Oklahoma, all of the hotter states, higher humidity. And instead of looking at temperature, we just like they do for us, we need to look at that heat index. You know, what does that feel like temperature? What is that heat ex- index number? Because they're feeling it too. You know, when the humidity goes up and the temperature goes up, that's the number that actually matters to the chicken. Um, it's not just heat. It's not just humidity. It's a combination. Right. But, you know, to make a, a good size egg, you got to get 21 grams, not, not percent. So people need to hear me. I need to get 21 grams of protein in a chicken to produce a large egg. Okay. So we don't get them, then we're not going to get decent egg. I, I got a quick question. Last time I was in our local big box feed store here, uh, I, I about the only thing I could find in the, in the way of a layer was 16 or 17%. Yeah. Is, is it possible that you could push them back to a starter to raise that protein up? If you right. can't you, find something. No, you can absolutely move them back to like a 21, 20 to 22 starter and then hand at the oyster shell, you know, for the calcium mm-hmm. part of it and mm-hmm. they'll do fine. So, you know, where people can't access those higher quality, you know, 19, 20% protein feeds, that's exactly what we do. You know, we go find something in the right protein range, hopefully with the right amino acid levels. And then we add the uh, calcium separately and it works, you know, I mean, it gets you through. I, I was so thankful when we finally got somebody carrying that triple M farm feeds down here. That stuff has made a huge difference. And I, I don't have that problem or that concern when we deal with heat, trying to find a higher quality protein. Uh, it, it just was not available here in this area. No, nah, it wasn't. I mean, it, you know, it was for a little while, then it wasn't for, you know, a couple of years. Right. And then, right. you know, <laughs> Caleb started bringing it back in again down there at Bergen Farms, you know, because he wanted it for himself. You know, I mean, Caleb called me and said, hey, I need good breeder feed for my turkeys. So I made him formulas and he started working it up to bring it in from triple M farms. And I said, you know, why don't you make this available for other people in your area? I can do that. Of course, you know, Caleb's always pretty positive and right. So wish, wish there was more people like that who can bring it in, you know, turn it, you know, he's bringing in a good quality feed and he's such a pleasure to work with. Uh, although I probably couldn't be around him for very long at any one period of time because he's always just kind of <laughs> which I love. I, you know, I'm envious right. of that, but he is a high energy fellow. When you get out to our age, Rip, you know, being around a high energy person is not necessarily a good thing, right? No, so, it's but, taxing. Right. <laughs> you know, but when I was in my thirties, like he is, that would have been fine because I could keep up with him, but you know, not anymore. I was expecting Caleb to be an older person. And then when I met him, I thought, my gosh, this guy looks like he's like 21 or 22 years old, but, uh, he's a great guy to work with. I'm guessing around 30. He is a great guy to work with and, you know, he'll do whatever he can to help you. Excellent customer service. So yeah, we just need more people like that, you know, elsewhere. Yep. And I, I kind of got us off track with that, but I, you know, it's just an experience that I've had and, and I know how difficult it's going to be for some folks trying to find a higher protein feed 
to feed their birds if they're looking for those high end or higher protein levels in their layers it's just not out there in a lot of places so you kind of have to scratch around and do the best you can for your birds yep yep but you definitely whenever you're above 90 degrees or above 85 actually with a fair amount of humidity above 60 percent you really want your layers on 19 20 21 percent protein and you know just especially if you want eggs if you yep. need eggs, that's fine. You can get them through the summer on a 16%. Just don't have high expectations for performance and they're not going to eat a lot. So they're, you know, uh, yeah. So if feed egg intake goes down, you know, automatically your production and your egg weight and shell quality, all that's going to go right with it. So that's directly tied. Jeff, should we be cutting back on our fat additives on our feed to reduce the energy levels actually john no because here's the thing so if you break apart your different components of a feed just into the simplistic you know proteins carbs and fats fats have the least effect on body temperature proteins are the worst and carbs are, are right behind them so getting energy from fat is actually more of a stress reliever than an you know, getting energy from corn or grain or, you know, starching carbohydrate. So, yeah, definitely not the time to remove, to, to remove your fats. And folks, if you're one, if you're brand new to poultry and, and you're not really sure what some of the signs of heat stress are, if you see your birds standing around with their wings dropped down and kind of held out from the body, they're trying to cool off. You'll see them panning a lot. They don't have the ability to sweat like we do. So the only way they can get rid of body heat is through opening those wings up and, and trying to cool off through panning. Uh, and also their comb and waddles will also serve to help dissipate their body heat just by circulating the blood through those. But if you see any of those combinations going on, you, you, you need to do something for your birds. Uh, before it gets too bad, I you know, I've, sadly, I talk to folks every year who have lost birds. I I talked to one Orpington breeder, oh gosh, it's been about four or five years ago now, who lost almost half their flock of English Orpington, and they didn't live in a particularly hot part of the country, but they have such profuse feathering that the heat was really rough on them. So if you're if you're raising these Loose feathered birds like Orpingtons or Cochins or Brahmas, Langshans, basically some of your Asiatic type breeds, you need to plan ahead for these birds because they're going to have problems dealing with the heat. I can guarantee it. You know, Rick, people don't want to hear this, and, and I've beat a dead horse, so to speak, but when we hit this end of July, beginning of August, it's a perfect time to mulch your birds. And here's the thing. You want to get rid of the internal fat because all it's doing is holding heat. Yep. Plus you, you lowered the, you lowered the protein, you lowered the carbohydrates, right? So you're taking heat stress off the birds anyway, and you're limiting the amount of feed. You know, it, it all comes together timing wise for a reason. You know, when you hit the hardest, now people living in the tropics with 12 hours of light and the weather's always, yeah. yeah. 85 degrees, the birds don't really know when to molt. I think it's more based on the length of day, just shifting a little bit that might trigger it. Uh, but it's not as, you know, indicative 
you know, as what we have up here, you know, in the, in the Northern hemisphere, it's completely different, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the timing for, for doing a molt is perfect, you know, for most people, <laughs> birds want to do it that time. Anyway, hard part is, you know, right now are all the fairs, you know, and some of the shows, but like 4-H share shows and county fairs and so on, you know, you, you want your bird to be looking good. And it's tough. It is, you know, so, I, so many shows, particularly north of where I live, much, much further north occurred during the summer and that's the hardest time of the year to have a bird in condition to show well. You can just look at them cross-eyed and they'll start dropping plumage, just molting like crazy. But it, but you're right. This is the opportune time of the year to take advantage of what would occur naturally. And, you know, just manage that molt. You know, we've got a video on YouTube. It's called Managing the Molt. Uh, we did a live stream on that. And, and Jeff was talking to everybody through exactly the steps you need to go through to properly manage that moat and drop that excess body weight. I'm just going to echo what he said because we can't say it enough. Our birds tend, they can overeat in a heartbeat. They can put on excess fat that they don't need. If you have a bird that, that dies, unfortunately, and you open it up and you see all this yellow fat in there, that bird's overweight. And that, that was causing to the, adding to the stress that bird was under trying to, to lose body, body heat. Jeff, what about water? What can we do to encourage birds to drink that water? Well, you know, I uploaded the video that Carol Wilson shared with us from Grimes Cadillac, you know, where you're using a fairly inexpensive cooler <clears throat> and you're putting cold water in there. And Carol's actually going out to get like the one gallon paint pails that you can get at Lowe's or Home Depot. Mm -hmm. She's going to be freezing blocks of, of water to put in those coolers to keep that temperature cool, you know, more throughout the day, you know, and, and what I'm getting ready to say, I realize not everybody can do this, but for people that are at home all the time, you know, throughout the day, if you can figure out how to change out your water just before the hottest part of the day. So if you eat your lunch and you go out and you actually changed your water, then you would be helping your birds out tremendously. As long as there's air movement, the birds also, you know, as long as, so using fans, setting up your buildings, you know, trying to get as much air movement as you can, is going to help the birds, you know, they do perspire, you know, so that evaporation process, you know, if there's no air moving, the birds are just miserable no matter where they're at. So that's going to be a big help. I actually told a breeder out in California, if he could rig up his pens, with recirculating water, you know, kind of like they do in motels and other places. So you always, you get hot water right away. In this case, you would get cold water right away. So tubing going through all the pens or the, or all the, you know, where the birds are and, you know, doing a cutout trough, but the water's constantly moving in there because birds will chase moving water. We've all seen it, right? You dump a bucket and they're going to chase dirty water across the floor or across the ground. Yeah. Well, friends of mine down there in O'Brien, Florida, they figured this out with their turkeys, right? So they'll actually use that quarter inch tubing, small spaghetti type tubing, mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll rig that up. So it just dribbles all day into a pan tent. By doing that, they increase their feed consumption by almost 40% and they knocked off grow out time for those birds. 
those are really good numbers. When they figured out that the turkeys needed, you know, they wanted running water. And he sent me a video. I should share that with you. Remind me tomorrow and I'll try and dig it up. But he sent me a video of that dribbling into a pan underneath. And turkeys are just reaching right up there. You know, you know, they're trying to get to that water source, catch it while it's in midair. It's hilarious. I mean, if if you need some good redneck entertainment, this is it. I've got some good friends who are into to birding and bird photography of wild birds and all this kind of thing. And they actually have what they call a water dribbler that attaches to the side of your bird bath. And it's just constantly dripping water. And the sound of that water, the birds just flock to it. So I can absolutely see where it worked with, with poultry. I have never seen any type of poultry that didn't like to chase water. Yep. Yep. Never, I never have. And you're older than me, Rip, but you, you know it to be true, absolutely. right? You're thinking... You birds are stupid. I just gave you fresh water and you're chasing it across the dirty floor, right? So <laughs> if you can figure out a way to, to move water and they, that once they find it, you'll increase that. And if you can figure out how to cool it and move it in a recirculation system, you're going to do a lot for your birds. Somebody on one of our groups, and I don't know whether it was a Poultry Keepers 360 Facebook group or your Poultry Breeders Nutrition group, posted a design that he had for recirculating water. And I can't, I'd I'd have to go back and and look to see if I could find it. The only other one that I shared, I, you're right. And I don't remember who that was, but I've shared one, but it's more in like a large coop confinement for, you know, a group of layers. Yeah. And really he just had two 35 gallon trash cans on at, at both ends and he, he just uses a sump pump and he'd run it down that tube, you know, and it'd go to the other end. And when the sump pump kicked on, it'd push it back and it just recirculated. And he had a stock float. <clears throat> so the barrel never ran out of water, but he's doing that for winter water. So they never, you know, so it helps keep it from freezing in the Northern winter times. Uh, folks, you know, I, this just occurred to me, but if you have a garden center around you that carries a lot of equipment for aquaponics and hydroponics, they're going to have some of these smaller pumps and they're not, they're not really all that expensive. So that could be a good place to pick up one of those without paying a horrendous price for it. I mean, if you want to get really crazy, this is what I do here. I have from a company called PetSafe. You can find them tractor supply online at Chewy, wherever, right? PetSafe. I have a water fountain for my three cats and the dog, right? Mm. And I can't tell you how many times in the course of a day I watch them, they're drinking where it comes out of the fountain versus out of the, out of the bottom of the trough. Now, if she's in a hurry and she, she needs volume in a hurry, she'll drink out of the trough, but yeah, her and the cats, you know, the dog and the three cats, they all like drink it where it comes out of the top of that fountain. You could invest in those and I mean, you need electric, but I swear you'd going to increase your, you know, your volume of water intake. And then anytime you get more water in them, they're going to be healthier. Just bottom line. What about, and we've talked about this in other situations, but is, would there be any benefit to example, adding molasses to your water? Right. It, you know, and, and I've posted that out there. Did you put it on Poultry Keepers 360? I know I put it on Poultry Breeder Nutrition, but basically, 
<laughs> you know, the poultry electrolyte and you can use it for anything. I shouldn't just say it's for poultry. Here's the thing, you know, it's two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar, one tablespoon of cooking molasses or blackstrap molasses. Um, great about, and this is per gallon of water and great about a teaspoon of fresh ginger and about a teaspoon of salt, right? Mix that up really good and serve it. And, you know, I think John, aren't you doing that? You just described what I drink every day and give yeah. to my chickens when it's appropriate. I try not to give it to them all the time. I quit using the word switchel because people thought it was some sort of voodoo, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, I found out there's an alcoholic drink, Haymaker's Punch, that they also called switchel that's loosely based on the same flavor profile. Right. But if you look up homemade switchel, it, the, the basing, the base formula is what I just gave you per gallon. And don't put the lid on when you put the ginger and everything in there, because it's going to, it's going to fizz up. It actually gets a little fizzy, like a carbonated soft drink and it's fine, but just don't put the lid on too tight. You could have an accident, oh. but the, you know, the birds are going to love it. Right. And when it's really hot, you can make this up three, four days ahead of time. Not going to spoil. It's really simple, but as far as heat stress, it's phenomenal. Uh, when I use it, I, I empty my waterers on a daily basis because I was worried about bacteria buildup because of the excess sugar. Mm -hmm. Really not that much of a concern. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you used it today and tomorrow you just went in and put it in fresh water, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with that. Okay. Just depends on, you know, how often you're doing it. But when you're above 90, 95 degrees or your heat index is above 90 Man, I, I could see doing it at least three or four times a week. And as soon as you serve it, you're going to see the energy level of the birds pick up within an hour. I mean, it is phenomenal how much difference it makes. I know how much of a difference it makes when I drink it. Okay. It's, it's crazy. It's a real energy boost. I was calling it chicken Gatorade for a little while, but that's not really fair. Switchel is hard for people to understand or, or Google it. So I don't know, but the recipes out there, poultry breeder, nutrition group and Rip, you can grab it and put I, it on I, the other. I did. If you haven't. Okay. Trying to think back, but yeah, I did. Yeah. Phenomenal stuff, but you know, cool water, lots of shade, try Is and capture as much moving help air. This time of year. So here's my thing with garlic is I like to hold it back and only use it when I have an illness. Okay. So if I suspect I have an infection in the bird, that's when I want to really get after the garlic to use it kind of prophylactically or just use it, you know, because it's awesome stuff. I lose the benefits, you know, when it comes time to treat an illness. So you just, you need to make that personal decision on your own. Do you want to reserve it for an emergency or do you want to use it all the time? There's nothing wrong with using it all the time. Right? I have nothing against it, but you know that you need to bruise it and you need to let it change from that creamy white to more of a brown, right? It'll get dark when you bruise it and then slice it up because you want to release the internal compound known as allicin. Okay. And the allicin is the true benefits behind garlic. What about vitamin or mineral supplements? Anything you would suggest there? I, I've heard all sorts of things, but I've never tried any. I'm not opposed to them. Here's the thing is all the electrolyte packs that you buy at Tractor Supply, J 
Jeffers Supply, every, every, you know, everywhere online, if you look at them and read the label closely, right? Potassium chloride, magnesium chloride, sodium chloride. Okay. They're loaded with salt. All those are salts and, you know, too much salt. So you don't run those every day and you don't run them over their recommended levels, but <clears throat> you know, just don't, I mean, cause you're going to that much salt, you could do damage to the kidneys, right? And you could also actually have some salt burn, you know, in the digestive tract. So you use those when you're under like severe stress and you don't have anything else, then go ahead and use them. Uh, and people are addicted to those things. It's crazy how many people give them electrolyte, give them electrolyte, give yeah. them electrolyte. I'm the like, first things I hear. And I cringe. It's like, no, please don't just, just give them the chicken Gatorade. And, you know, maybe we need to call that chicken aid or something. I don't know. We go. need to give it a name, but even though, and just get it out there for people. It's so much, it's, it's simple. I mean, once you have the molasses and every kitchen should have the vinegar, right? Every kitchen has the salt. The only thing that you got to get is the ginger and John, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know this hundred percent, but I would think you could grate the whole ginger root and take your teaspoon, put the rest in a jar and probably put it in the freezer and not really lose. If you were cooking with it, you would lose flavor. But for this purpose of the switchel or the chicken aid, I don't think you'd mm -hmm. lose the benefits, but I don't know the properties of ginger frozen. Well, I'm just wondering if it's the aroma or the flavor of the ginger, or there's some thing that's in there. I would say, you know, mix it in with your, your salt and let the salts absorb that. I'd it, take two, if you went even amounts and you could just go two teaspoons of the salt. Yeah. Or just take your bruised lump of ginger and throw it in the container with the salt and let it absorb that. If I, if that's what they're after. I think it's more than the scent. I, I, I really do think there's a compound in the ginger. That is giving an energy boost, whether it's vitamin or other, I don't know, but there's definitely an unusual taste when you with and without the ginger in the switchel. So I notice it. I use candy ginger because getting fresh ginger here out in the hinterlands is difficult. Why don't and you from my own internal huh? health, I notice a difference. Man, you just start growing some. I can do ginseng here. I can't do ginger. Really? Not even in the, in the greenhouse with the chickens? If I can keep the chickens from eating it. Well, this concludes the live streams heat stress segment. You can watch the rest of the live streams if you like by going to the Poultry Keepers 360 YouTube channel. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Poultry Keepers podcast. Be sure and join us next time because we have a very special programming announcement to share with you. So until then, we hope your flock stays happy, healthy, and productive.